2: College Sports Now Women's Basketball Edition coming back at you for our weekly chat with our Stats Megan Gower. I'm Rob Joyce. Megan, another crazy week in women's college basketball. We had, I think, I think the two best games of the year with Iowa, Ohio State on Sunday. And then, of course, I guess we'll talk about last night if you want.
1: Yeah, I'll admit I did not think that last night's game was going to be that much of a game, but it, it turned out to be a good one.
2: Give me your 50,000 foot, like what's your headline from South Carolina beating LSU? I think it's that
1: LSU looked better than I thought they would, but like inevitably South Carolina found a way to get it done.
2: South Carolina, I think, went into the hardest road environment, maybe in the country, at least the most hostile that any Mm -hmm. place is going to be this year. I don't even think they played well for what, 18 minutes in that first half. I don't think they played great overall, and they won anyway. So my big takeaway is they're the number one team in the country, and then I think there's a pretty sizable gap, um, at least right now. If you want to throw UCLA in there, I know you're high on the Bruins, but I think South Carolina than everyone else for right now.
1: Yeah, I agree, though. I still, like, I'm, like, disappointed in the SEC this year and that, like, we don't get to see them in many of these big games because – I think it's LSU, definitely a hostile environment, a good team, but a team that I haven't been like overly impressed with this season either. And that's I would like to see them against some more teams that look the part of you know the the top five, top ten. Well,
2: okay, Moki said afterwards that they weren't really prepared to play in that kind of environment. I'm like,
1: well, that's it's kind of on you for scheduling
2: <laughs> nobody. Again, yeah. um, Anissa Morrow I thought was really really good for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she can make some threes, like that's that's found money for LSU. Um, Haley Van Lith still looks it looks awkward, yeah. and then Angel Reese like the bit the bigs were really good until of course Angel Reese fouled out, um, and even the uh, the kid off the bench Del Rosario had some good minutes in that first half. <laughs> Just they they're yeah. not very really deep.
1: They're not deep. I think if you're Angel Reese, you have to be smarter in that in game situation too when you have four. Like she's an upperclassman. You've you've gotta be thinking about the fact that you got four. Like that stopping that one shot wasn't worth her having to come off the floor for the last five minutes of that game.
2: Yeah. And the uh the, the foul that they looked at for the intentional foul, which I thought was yeah, kind of dumb, no but much. like yeah. we don't need to go into a women's basketball officiating discussion because
1: <laughs> we'll it's be here all day.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean the fifth foul that was that was silly from someone who, you know, would should know better. They played so well in the first half that when they went in only up 5 at halftime, like my I had warning signs going off in my head of like, oh, they're only up 5 and this is how they played, they're in trouble. Yeah.
1: Yeah, at halftime I thought it was South Carolina's game, which is probably a weird thing to say about the team that was losing going into the locker room, but it felt like You're right. LSU played a great first half. They're only up five after that run that South Carolina went on at the end of the second quarter. And it's kind of just like this one sits with with South Carolina.
2: Was it weird for you to see in that first quarter? Like I know LSU and maybe Stanford are the only two teams in the country that can compete down low with South Carolina. But it was it was really weird just to see them dominated like that, like that doesn't happen. On the board,
1: yeah. I wonder like how much of that was just like the environment, like just adjusting to playing in that, and also like honestly, like when's the last time that South Carolina played like a good team? It's been a while, unfortunately. So, like, probably just some adjustment to that, too. They do, 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 Utah, yeah, exactly. Like, so like, it been like, a while, we're talking like <laughs>
2: top, top, higher yeah. level,
1: team. yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, What I like about this South Carolina team, though, that I don't know the last time they had maybe probably the team that won a couple years ago with Destiny Henderson. The threes didn't really fall last night, but they just have that ability now. I mean, you saw it in the fourth quarter, which Mm -hmm. like last year's team. I don't know. I don't know if it was like that. They needed to bully you and obviously they can bully anyone they want. But now at least they have the ability to, oh, we need to shoot 23s in a game. Like we can do that and we will do that. That's what makes this team different, I think, from last year and maybe even the year before.
1: Yeah, I think they can win in different ways. Like last year's team was very good at winning in the way that they won every game for the season, but they didn't necessarily have the versatility where I think this team can beat you in different ways. They still have like that presence down low with Cardoso, but they can also hit the threes. There's, there's different ways that they can beat you. Uh, how about Chloe Kitts? She was great. She was I mean, really
2: early good. and early last year, so she didn't play a whole lot, and she's been in a, a starter the whole year. She single-handedly kept a minute in the first half.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very much impressed with her. I think probably not the player that you were circling that's like going to be the most important player for South Carolina in this game, but she was fantastic for them in the first half of the game.
2: South Carolina still has to play Connecticut. Obviously, they have the SEC tournament where if it wasn't South Carolina, LSU in the final, I'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, are they pretty much locked in now to probably that number one overall
1: seed? I think so. I don't want to say locked in because I think, like, what happens in the Pac-12 matters. matter of some. Like, I think if someone comes out of the Pac-12 with only – Two losses, which feels, like, really unlikely right now. Maybe they sneak in if South Carolina drops one along the way, but I just, yeah, I don't know. It it kind of feels like it's inevitable.
2: Colorado has two losses. Stanford has two losses. UCLA has two losses. Yeah. So you think they're going to eat each other up? Uh, We can talk last week Pac-12. UCLA-Utah went to overtime on Monday. That was a really, really good game. Mm Mm-hmm. UCLA splits with Colorado and Utah. USC gets swept by the two mountain schools. Um, what were your takeaways from Monday, a game that, you know, we've been waiting for Utah kind of all year to look like that? And they finally picked up that marquee win.
1: Yeah, I thought it was this was a really good weekend in general for Utah because they, they beat USC handedly at home on Friday night, and then they they get the overtime win over UCLA on on friday or monday, monday. sorry can't keep track of my days of the week um but yeah it was a really good one for them it felt like they might throw it away at the end of regulation and you know, ucla was able to creep back in there and that they get it to overtime and then are able to take on the win i thought it was a really good win for them they had that marquee win now and maybe kind of a a turning point for them i mean yes they were at home but i still think those were two really good wins for utah I think it was more impressive
2: on Monday because Alyssa Peely, I mean, she had 37 against USC. Mm-hmm. She really struggled against the Bruins. Of course it helps when your teammates hit a billion threes, but right. um, the fact that they were able to do that with their best players struggling, that's not something I admittedly thought Utah had in them against a team like the caliber of UCLA.
1: Yeah, I agree. I kind of thought they were a team that was like, how Alyssa Peely goes is how this team goes, and I think it was good to see them be able to get that win without her having, yeah, like a 30-point night like she did against USC. So I think that's a good sign for Utah going forward as well, and hopefully kind of a, a bit of a turning point, like I said, for this team.
2: What were your takeaways from UCLA's point of view, sitting Lauren bets? Betts?
1: Thought it was interesting. I do kind of agree that like the smaller lineup seemed to be working for them in that game, but I don't know. I still think going into overtime, like she's been so consistent for them this season that you gotta trust her. I think I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting approach. Sat the
2: final two forty eight of regulation. She sat the final four twenty two of overtime. So she basically didn't play in the last right. eight minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, they looked better without her, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they were they made the comeback. They were down what? 7? Pretty much when she Yeah. 6-7 when she came out. Mm-hmm. Um so that's just something to watch.
1: Yeah. Maybe a matchup thing. I think thing with UCLA is that like their guards do rebound the ball so well. So if she's getting like really clogged up in the paint like you can afford to take her out in a way because like, you're still going to get the boards, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if we see any trend with that. Or it's just like what was working in that game. So they did it.
2: Well, from the other two schools in that pairing, USC, winless, Colorado splits. Was it too much too soon for USC? They had a big win over UCLA. They were vaulted up to whatever fifth in the polls or whatever they were. Um, I don't think they're quite that good especially if Juju, she fouled out in one of them.
1: Yeah, and I think we've said this the last couple of weeks that it feels like there are a team that was going to come into the Pac-12 and maybe get a little bit of a reality check. And I know we've talked about how hard it is to win on the road, and that's a really hard road trip in general, but, yeah, it felt just like a little bit of a, a coming-down-to-earth weekend for them.
2: What about Colorado? Do you feel – I know you're still not very high on them. Do you feel any better after splitting?
1: I thought they played well against UCLA – so I think that made me feel better about them. I, I'm still not sold that they're like top five in the country good. I don't think they're a one seed. Like, I mean, could they get there? Maybe. But like, I also think we have the net for a reason. And like being 17th in the net is not going to get you a one seed. 17th in the net. Hmm. Yeah. Or that's as of like yesterday. Like, So it could have moved a little bit, but yeah. Let's pull it up. Three on is, January twenty fourth. Yeah. The net is flawed in a lot of ways, but like I still don't like I think if we have it, we're gonna use it. like being seventeenth doesn't put you at I still so
2: I like their balance one. offensively. Um yeah. if you want to talk about the AP poll, I like how UCLA loses once and drops from two to five and then Colorado loses once and they drop
1: from two to three. Yeah, don't I listen really to the AP poll. look at the AP poll at all anymore. It's not very helpful to determine who's the best team in the country.
2: No, if, I mean, I, I, there was so much discourse yesterday on if South Carolina would have lost, would they still be ranked number one next week? And it's like, one, they it doesn't they matter. Be. Yeah. Two, I mean, obviously there's lots of ways to lose. You know, if they got run by 20, it's a different conversation than if right. they would have lost by six or whatever. Mm. Um, Don't listen to the AP poll, folks, especially once you get down to like 20 to 25. There are some teams. It's like "Mm." like Auburn was receiving votes after they beat LSU. It's like, come on, guys.
1: Come on. The the quickest way to get yourself into the AP poll is to beat someone that's already in it. (laughs) And that all of a sudden makes you a top 25 team.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Only other thing for the Pac-12, which we uh, a little negligent on our part. We didn't talk about it last week. Yeah. Tar Vanderveer, all time winningest coach, Stanford, uh, sweeps the Oregon schools. Not that, you know, this milestone, like her legacy is what it is. Hall of Fame coach, a mm-hmm. couple of national titles. Um, but I feel like she's the most underrated coach in college basketball history. Um, I mean, she's not bombastic like Pat and Gino mm-hmm. were. She's not bombastic like Kim Mulkey, Don Staley. I don't know if part of it's probably a West Coast thing, too. She's just quietly for basically 40 years. Won as much as anyone, more than anyone.
1: Yeah, it, it's really impressive. And I think the West Coast probably does have a lot to do with it. But why she hasn't gotten necessarily the attention. But yeah, Stanford is year in and year out. A really, really good team and that's obviously all I'll credit to Tara and what she does. And I think it's like you said, it doesn't really impact her legacy that much, but I think it's just cool for her to to reach that milestone.
2: I mean she's as foundational a piece to grow women's basketball as anyone, coaching the ninety six Olympic team. Did you see that documentary?
1: I haven't. I've been meaning to watch it and just like haven't gotten to it, but I, I do want to watch it.
2: Yeah, it's good. I mean a lot of people forget that she didn't coach Stanford for a whole right. year to coach that 96 team that went with 50 something to know traveled all over the country, all over the world. Um, highly recommend. Yeah. I think it's, think it's under a 30 for 30 umbrella, but really good stuff. I mean, you get, you get the sense of just how intense she is, which probably doesn't always come out in, you know, press conference or whatever, mm-hmm. especially like as these folks get older, you know, the Tara Vanderveer from 96 is not the same one in 2024. The Gino Oriyama who was young and brash and arrogant Philly guy. Like now he's just like an old grandpa. Yeah, He's soft. He's soft compared to everyone, <laughs> what he was. So um, that's your pac 12 talk this weekend. And yeah, we'll get to this weekend later. What were your other takeaways from this week? I mean, we can go to a lot of places. If you want to go back to last weekend, you have Iowa, the Iowa, Ohio state game and the, crap afterwards with court storming. Um, you got Baylor K State. You know, where where you want to go? Uh
1: let, let's talk about Baylor K
2: State. No Aoka Lee for the next couple weeks. I was very impressed with the fact that they were able to come from behind and do what they did without their best player.
1: Agreed. I, I did think that was impressive. I thought you know I didn't necessarily think they were going to be Baylor without her so I, I did think that was a good win for them but for Baylor it's just I don't know this has been a rough stretch for Baylor I feel yeah. like it was like they were riding this like undefeated high and they've stumbled from it very quickly um I'm like still not sold on Kansas State and I've been trying to figure out why I'm like, like the defense did look good without Lee against Baylor. Like I thought that was impressive. Like their defense isn't just like the fact that they've got this impressive presence of the post. I still can't quite put my finger on it. I feel like am trying to figure out why. I was trying to go through some of the numbers. I feel like part of it is like there's just like some of the small stuff that tends to matter, come marks that they like don't do great, like they don't turn their opponents over. They don't Offensive rebound, well, it's like, where did the easy points come from when you don't do those things? They don't shoot the three particularly well. So I feel like there's a handful of things that, like, they just are average to below average at that, like, matter. That makes me think, like, this just isn't a top-five team. I'm not saying they're not good. I think where I struggle is, like, I mean, I, with the coaches poll that came after Monday, it has them as, like, the second team in the country, and I'm just, like, not sold on that at all
2: they are 17th in her hoop stats composite rankings they're eighth in the net um, but i mean they have a lot of good wins yeah like they split with like, iowa including a yeah. win at iowa the loss was a neutral site right that was thanks whatever thanksgiving tournament they were in i
1: think so Win over or, north carolina yeah.
2: that's aging well um went over texas went over oklahoma we can talk about you know oklahoma upset the longhorns earlier this week Went over Baylor. So, I mean, they're playing as well as anyone in the country. I like their defense a lot. If they can stem the tide with until Lee comes back, because she's at, what, a month-ish? So, yeah. if you come back late February, get yourself ready for the Big 12 tournament, even if they drop a couple games and they're, what are you looking at, like a two or a th- three seed? Like, they'll host, right? Barring yeah, the-
1: they'll host, for sure, barring some kind of collapse. I don't think they're, like, in my opinion, they're not in, like, the one seed conversation. I don't think. Their straight the schedule is quite there for that, but yeah, the host. I it would take quite the collapse I think at this point for them to not host.
2: I think they'd be. It's it's early to talk brackets because it's only not even February yeah, yet. but They could be a frisky, frisky two or three seed. Um.
1: Yeah, I think a two or three seed that people maybe don't want to see, for sure. I think matchup wise too, right? Like a player like Ayukali. For certain teams, that's just going to be a bad... For a lot of teams, that's just going to be a bad matchup.
2: Any takeaways as I think you're starting to see the effects of Rory Harmon really take shape as Texas? They're just... They're a step below what they could have been.
1: Yeah. And I think we thought that would happen, right? Like, it felt a little bit too good to be true that, like, they were kind of just carrying on without her. It's like it has to come at some point. I think I'll... Admit that Kansas State is the best team in the Big Twelve, but <laughs> still not sold on them as like a top five team in the country.
2: <laughs> Do you know who's in second place in the Big Ten, Big Twelve?
1: It's like Iowa State, or no, they lost this week. I don't know. It's probably some team that you're just gonna be saying. I'm gonna be like, how? <laughs> Oklahoma. Ah, well, yeah, they beat Texas this week. I think I yeah. did put them maybe not quite back in the field this week, but like they're starting to to. Be part of that conversation again.
2: That's right. You updated Bracketology. So let's see. What what do we got? What do we got?
1: I think they're lost. First four out. Oklahoma. I want
2: to say. Along with Washington, Cal, and Villanova. There's some important Pac-12 games this weekend, like always. Yeah. uh, We'll get to involving the Washington schools. Um, Duke, you put in your last four in. And... they're
1: climbing for sure though i like i don't understand that quite how that game happened yesterday but they just buried florida state
2: <laughs> yeah we can talk about that this is a, a duke team that i don't know i feel like duke's been similar under kara lawson of mm-hmm. we know they're pretty good defensively the question is scoring and then boy i'm i'm really glad that Florida State lost to Syracuse, because otherwise, last Friday, I would have made the case that the Seminoles are the best team in the ACC, and boy, <laughs> that would have aged terribly, because they are they are in a free fall.
1: Yeah. Also, if you told me that, that Duke-Florida State game was going to end like 80-something to 40-something, I would have believed you, but I would have absolutely thought that Duke was going to be the team that scored 40-something.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Florida state shot like 22%. It was like the second worst in school history. And the other one was not recent. Um, yeah, things are not good in Tallahassee. They now dropped three in a row at Syracuse again on paper. It's not a bad loss, but you were up 18. The loss to Virginia isn't great. Um, and then you can't lose by 42. I saw the, uh, the March Madness women's account tweet out upset with the final score. I'm like I don't know if you can call it an upset if you win by 42. I think you're just yeah better than the other team. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> misranked.
2: <laughs> do you know who is in first place in the Atlantic Coast Conference heading into this I weekend?
1: Do because I looked it up this morning because I was like, I feel like this conference continues to make no sense, which was a theme last year, too. And it is Syracuse, which I'm sure we all expected to be halfway through ACC playing and see Syracuse at the top of the conference standings.
2: <laughs> it got lost because of the big game last night, but they had a nice win at Notre Dame, first time that ever yes. won in South Bend. Um, we can talk Notre Dame because they have a big game uh, tomorrow against UConn, but this is a team that – like, what's the ceiling for this team if they keep going? I mean, they have a brutal stretch. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Louisville – they play Louisville twice. They still have one, two, four games against ranked teams, a fifth if Duke were to become ranked. And, you know, as you said, they beat a ranked team. So, eight people. <laughs> um, is this a mirage? Is this for real? Because I, I tend to think it's somewhat for real.
1: I think it's somewhat for real because I think Deja Fair has proven when she was at Buffalo what she can do, and like there's no reason that can't translate and be consistent at Syracuse. It it feels like it's for real. If they keep climbing, I think they start to be a part of the like cause they host conversation. The ACC, I feel like in the bracket world right now, is just like a, a big mess on like the four, five, six lines. So. I think they they can start to become a part of that that hosting conversation, but like you said, they've got this tough tough stretch coming up. So I think how they go through that is going to tell us a lot about where they really are.
2: The four and five lines are just going to be ACC teams, and it's yeah. going to be like SEC teams, eighth and nine,
1: <laughs> yeah. 10th. yep exactly
2: what are your thoughts on north carolina we haven't really talked about that much but they're tied for first in the acc um nice win last night over miami avoided the upset canes tried to make a comeback in the second half again a game that just i think that tipped at eight so it just it got buried um yeah had a rough stretch in late ish november um but have lost just once since the yukon game a couple months ago What do you make of this Tar Heel team?
1: Yeah, maybe they're figuring it out. I feel like this team has just struggled with consistency like every year. So I'm like, I'm not as like sold that they're climbing just because I feel like it could all come, you know, this weekend, like start to come crashing back down again. They just, they seem to struggle with consistency, but I don't know. The ACC is just like a giant mess right now. Like it. NCC, I think, is still really the best team in the ACC, but like it's just, I don't know. It's, you could tell me that we're going to get to like the ACC tournament and like North Carolina is going to look like the best team. Syracuse is going to look like the best team. Virginia Tech is going to look like the best team. And I would believe probably any of it.
2: Virginia Tech is the highest in the composite rankings. Uh, The net, the highest team is Notre Dame. Sorry. I know you're I'm not sold think, on Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I last... feel
1: like the it's like shows the flaw in the net that they're the highest because it's like they're the highest team in the net. And I believe after losing to Syracuse last night, they're now like one and four against like the top fifty teams or something like that. Like, how do you end up in the top ten with that record against the top fifty or that win loss record against the top fifty?
2: Yeah, they are five and three in ACC play. Um, losses, lost loss, to South Carolina, swept by Syracuse, lost to North Carolina by four. So none of these are bad losses
1: mm-hmm.
2: at this point. Like they're not getting Olivia miles back. Right. Yeah. Like there's no, there's I no word. And there's no indication that she's coming back. So you, you can't assume she is. They really have what they dress. Nine players. They play six, maybe seven, um, and as good as Hannah Hidalgo is, and it's nice to have Sony Citron back, I just don't think they, they can score enough against these high power teams. A team like Syracuse I can put up 80, put up 75 yeah. without really blinking.
1: Yeah. And that did that one did hurt them in the net, actually. They just updated it. So they are now 14th. NC State is your your highest ranked team in the ACC, which feels more correct.
0: Yes.
2: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated
0: card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Um, what haven't we talked yet? Big 10? Big, Big 10, 10,
1: yeah. Ohio oh, State.
2: Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> all, all it took was one game. I'm back in on Ohio State. <laughs> Out of the preseason. I'm back. Yep, jumping on the bandwagon.
1: Um, I I thought I was like maybe they turned a corner, and then I felt like they struggled a little bit with Illinois last night. They won, but no, I felt like they struggled a little bit last night. Um, yeah, it's the feeling gonna, of this team. Yeah, and I feel like, of course, that came with like the night that Cody McMahon had. I feel like her having nights like that is the key for this team being at that level.
2: She was broken for like a month where she like, she had like five straight single digit scoring games. Um, we saw what this team looks like when she plays like the All-American. She's not going to be an All-American this year, but Great. she has All-American capabilities. And if she continues, you know, she doesn't need to put up 32 or whatever it was every game. But if she plays like someone who averages 18 and eight. Yeah. But, they're probably, they're going to be, what, a three or four seed that, again, no one's going to want to see.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Especially with the, the press and, like, it's just, like UConn saw last year, It's it could be a lot to handle, and if you're not used to it, it could trip you up enough that it'll cost you. Any
2: issues with, on the Iowa side? I mean, the lost in overtime it was on the road. Yeah.
1: I don't, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think that much of it. I think for Iowa, you can't have Gabby Marshall and Kate Martin combined for only 11 points. You just you need a little bit more there. I think that's a little bit problematic. Obviously, Clayton Clark was fantastic, right, 45 points, but you just got to get it from elsewhere, too. And M- Molly Davis stepped up for them and had 14, so you got someone that made it up, but I think those two just got to combine for a little bit more. Something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's an overall concern, but like Cody McMahon having 33, like their other loss coming to Kansas State, and I think Ayoka Lee went off in that game. The post-defense may be something to keep an eye on. And like I think we're never going to really talk about like defense being Iowa's biggest strong suit, but. It
2: just, just needs to I be think, good enough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then Hannah Sulky, I mean, over time, but fouls out in that game. Like, they don't really have much behind her in depth in the post. Addison O'Grady they can bring in, but I think that's – yeah. There's just – I don't know if it's enough if they have – their matchups are going to matter for them, I think, come March for Iowa. Like, if you get a team like Stanford, for example, in your region or something, like, that's going to be a really bad matchup for them.
2: Yeah, this is going to sound like I'm hating on them, and I I promise I'm not because what Caitlin Clark did last year was something I, you know, I wasn't old enough when Cheryl Swoops did it in 92, 93. Um, They had a, the matchups broke properly for them last year where in March they didn't really see any teams until they beat South Carolina that were just Mm -hmm. high-powered getting to the Final Four. Um, You know, Georgia, team that likes to ugly it up, Colorado, a team last year that liked to ugly it up. Louisville, a team that just wasn't great last year. And then obviously you beat South Carolina, go to the national championship game. But to get to that Final Four, matchups broke right where their defense wasn't good, but they played a team that like they'll outscore Georgia every time, they'll outscore Colorado every right. time, um, and they could very easily do that again this year. But if they ran into just run into the wrong team,
1: mm-hmm.
2: is what it is. Um,
1: yeah, I think keeping an eye on like when they play like in Indiana, how does Mackenzie Holmes do? Holmes do things like that? Like the post is gonna maybe be a weakness for them, and if they draw the wrong matchup in March, that could be a problem.
2: Any thoughts on the Caitlin Clark thing?
1: Obviously, it's not great, but like people are rushing the court, and it's a position where a player could get hurt. I do feel like we've kind of made a big deal out of something. She didn't get hurt Yeah, Like it just feels like a lot of drama for no reason, in my opinion.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've, we've all been, you know, in a state where we're deep in our own thoughts and walking and running and just not paying attention to anything around you. And I don't know if you're jogging and someone else is running and you run into each other, like it hurts people are trying to break down the stupid video. Like it's the Zapruder film. And like, she's not flopping. She's not looking for attention. Like that's, that's the side of, of you have Like yeah. South Carolina fans who aren't over last year. Yeah. Big 10 fans. who Just don't like Caitlin Clark yet. LSU fans yeah. who were like, ah, look, Caitlin Clark's a bad, a sore loser. Cause we beat him in the natty. You have Yukon Twitter who is making fun of her. Cause they think page Beckers is better. It's like, yeah, you don't have to like Caitlin Clark. It's fine. You don't have to like anyone you don't want to, but, like, to use that as an excuse to, like, validate your dislike yeah. of her, like, it's find ridiculous. something else.
1: Yeah. yeah. Find something better to do with your time.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I don't hear this nonsense. The Pac-12. We don't talk a lot. <laughs> I like... I, shame the Pac-12's going away, because they just they just sit there on the West Coast, play really, really good basketball. We don't have this, yeah. this nonsense. Um, Anything else from the midweek?
1: Um... I know you had it, UConn beating Barcat on here, Like, yeah, another good win for UConn. I feel like UConn's just doing whatever they want against everyone they play so far. And honestly, I don't – we're going to talk about Sunday – or tomorrow a little bit. Is that really going to change against Notre Dame? I don't know. Like, we know I'm not sold on this Notre Dame team, so.
2: Yes. It sounds like you're not overly sold. I mean, UConn's taking care of business against – teams that it's needed to take care of business against um, they just what they lack and even I don't think tomorrow if they win would change that they played what three top five teams and they've lost all three
1: yeah exactly I wish that we were and I don't think we're going to get that like South Carolina match with both teams at full strength I mean like full strength as in what UConn's full strength is now but if Cardoso doesn't play in it I feel like it just takes a lot away from that game but like I feel like that's the game that would have sold, told us like where UConn truly is. Like they're beating up on all these teams. And I think the fashion in which they've continually convincingly won against, you know, Marquette twice now, Creighton, like it's it's good, right? Like, I mean, there was times last year where they were, they lost those games. They were struggling against those teams. So everything's clicking, but yeah, like you need another look at, like they played all those top, five teams in November, basically. And like the first weekend in December and this team looks so different than it did. Then, and we haven't really seen them play that kind of game since then.
2: Uh, they've largely fixed some of their turnover issues. They had 18 against Seton Hall. They had 16 against DePaul, but it's a far cry from what it was when they were, you know, turning the ball over six times in the first quarter against Texas. Um, not even going back to last year's debacle at times with turning it over. The defense I think is much improved from what it was at the start of the year. they they look, it's not going to be a classic UConn defense, but it's not bad.
1: Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. And they're, they're finding ways to like, to just, I think they've got defenders and like KK Arnold, that's just quick and like can get our hand on things and you're getting out in transition. So when you can do that kind of stuff, it makes up for if you're, you're, you locked defenses and, and can, where we talk, it could be.
2: can we talk about how I feel like no one's talking about this. Um, Paige Becker's good at basketball. We know that. <laughs> I can't think of a player coming off a major injury who's been so good, so fast off of it.
1: Yeah. I think the way that she's played for the last month, like I've like, struggled to find the words to explain like how good she's been, how efficient she's been. Like, it's just extremely impressive. I think she's like a third in the country for like points per play, which is that like her usage is just absolutely insane to think about.
0: Let's
2: pull it up. Her effective field goal percentage is in the 90 something percentile, 97th, mm-hmm. 99th. I'm sorry. 99th percentile. And what's the points? Yeah. Points per possession. She leaves the country. Uh, Or points points for play,
1: sorry. (laughs) Yeah, so that accounts for turnovers too, which for a player that has the ball in her hands a lot, that's pretty impressive.
2: Which, again, we know she's good. She won National Player of the Year as a freshman, but I don't think it's recognized enough that she's coming off a torn ACL. And she was, I mean, she played well, you know, the loss to NC State, she had um, Mm 20-something. But as soon as she started looking like, from that Maryland game onward, You don't just come and I know ACLs are like the surgery is more commonplace than it ever has been, but Mm -hmm. still to come back and look like this.
1: um, It's really, really incredible. Yeah, it's, it's extremely impressive. I mean, it sounds like Texas loss, like she has two games where she shot like 40%, but she's shot like 55% better. Like every other game, like other than two games since then, that's insane. Like and I Dallas. think defensively, her growth, too, is is been impressive. Like, she has become one of UConn's better defenders, which I don't think you would have necessarily said about her, her freshman season.
2: She's blocking all sorts of shots. Cause yeah. You know, that random stretch where she blocked, like, nine shots in, like, three games.
1: Yeah. Um, that games can
2: lead us into yeah. this weekend. The big game tomorrow is UConn-Notre Dame. Huskies hit, what, eight threes? That's probably enough. Yeah, like get to seventy points. Um, Gamble's a two dollar beer night, which they've done for the men a couple times. They're bringing back a bunch of championship teams. It's going to be rowdy. It's not the rivalry isn't what it used to be. I I don't I know it's hyped up. It's on big boy fox. Yeah. I just I don't see a way that Notre Dame
1: wins. Yeah, me neither. I think something has to go pretty wrong for Yukon to that to be the case. I I agree. I think this is UConn's game to lose um, quite frankly I will be surprised if Notre Dame keeps it close and they might make me eat my words on that but I, I don't know I don't think they're going to keep it close
2: how do they keep it close is it like I there's a scenario where you right. turns it over 20 times and you're turning those into easy fast break points and yeah that suddenly it's a ball game
1: yeah exactly I think you gotta you gotta turn UConn over you gotta shoot the three well you could could do those two things. Maybe you keep it close. I mean, Hannah Hidalgo averages like five and a half skills per game or something ridiculous. So yeah, she does what she does. Um, She can kind of go off scoring wise too, though. I think I'm kind of excited to watch that matchup between her and Nika Mule. That should be a fun matchup.
2: uh, Nika Mule looks more confident than she did earlier in the year, especially like she's become, she, she always had the ability to shoot the three, but now it seems like she takes more Mm -hmm. to win more often. And that's just, it's an added element for a team that they they play seven
1: players. Yeah, exactly. I think they they only play seven and defenses tend to slack off of her because she didn't, you know, shoot the ball very often. That was, wasn't really a big part of her game. And I think now she's proving that she can shoot it. So I think that's going to change the way teams can, or, it can change the way that teams can defend them or you're going to leave her open It's just going to make you pay for it. But before I think you could, you know, double page backers without worrying about, you know, Mika scoring 15 points, but now she could do that.
2: So that's the marquee game tomorrow. Um, this weekend in the PAC 12, the big road trip is USC and UCLA host the Washington schools, Washington schools. I don't know about is Washington state right now. Firmly. In. I'd say they're pretty firmly in, yeah. the so Washington could certainly go with winning at least one of these games.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be hard to do on the road against two very good teams. If you're going to pick one up, USC is probably the more likely one. But, yeah, I think that would go a long way for them on the bubble if they can pick up a, a win this weekend. I don't think you're going to go in and pick up two, but if you can find a way to get one, that will help.
2: Yeah, they've, uh, they started the year well, didn't really play anybody, beat Washington State on the road, but have lost one, two, three, four, five of six, um, some okay losses in there, lost at Louisville, lost at Stanford, lost to Cal, isn't great, lost at home to Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State lost, that's a bad one, so why, this isn't a great resume, um. And they play one, two, three, four. They play five straight-ranked teams in a row. They'll quickly could fall off the bubble, right?
1: Yeah, unless they make some noise in that stretch. Yeah, they're going to fall off the bubble. I think why they're there currently just speaks to the strength of the Pac-12. But, yeah, I think you probably are going to fall off unless you somehow pull off some some big upsets.
2: And then Sunday, the big game, Virginia Tech-Syracuse. Um, I I'm done trying to figure out the ACC. Yeah, I'm not gonna um, predicting anything. <laughs> Georgia Amore's back. By the way, is Cameron Brink back? Do we know that?
1: I don't know. Like, we didn't mention that when we talked about Stanford and Tara, though. But I thought it was impressive for them to get that win over Oregon State without her over Oregon. Yeah, I don't. But um, to to beat Oregon State without Cameron Brink, I think is is important.
2: I'm scouring Twitter. and Yeah, I'm uh, not really
1: seeing anything.
2: Cameron Brink. Well, I guess we'll find out tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stanford is in the desert for the Arizona schools. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I expect them to certainly take care of business tonight, with or without her. Yeah. Um, great. Probably... Is that Sunday or a Monday game? Either way, probably the same against Arizona. Um, I don't know nothing about Arizona. Can you, can you tell me anything about the Wildcats? Uh,
1: they picked up – who did they beat? They beat someone at the start of Pac-12 play, but they're just like a team that I haven't been overly impressed with the season. I haven't watched a ton of them, to be honest. They beat Utah, but they've lost four straight since. Yeah. Um, they're not a team I've lost. I've watched a lot of, I feel like they have some of the same pieces as last year, but just, I don't know. Fair enough. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much to say about them.
2: <laughs> um, here's a question for you next Wednesday. Marquette at Creighton. Is that a game Marquette needs to win?
1: <sighs> I think Marquette is firmly in the field. Like I think they're fine. I think for their own good. Like it would be nice to get right back on the right track because like they they just lost back to back games with no at Nova and at UConn or at home against UConn. I mean, losing two games to UConn, whatever. I don't really think anything of that Nova road loss too. I don't think that's necessarily a bad loss. It was close. The Saint John's loss was not great. They already have a win over Creighton. So I don't like think they need to beat them. Like I think it's fine to split that series, but it would be good in terms of getting Marquette back on track. I think
2: because I just I ask because they're four and four in a Big East. Yeah, average. but I
1: feel like they've played like a tougher first half of Big East play. Like you've already played UConn twice. You're gonna have played Creighton twice, and then you've played like Nova once. Like those are your four good teams. So like they're gonna pick up some wins to be I think go all above five hundred by the time in conference play by the time the Big East finishes. Okay. If you say
2: if you say that it's not a must must win, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um and then Thursday coming up we have NC State UNC. You're looking forward to that. And then we have Baylor in Texas in Waco. Longhorns won the first one like right after Rory Harmon got hurt, right?
1: Yeah. In Austin. I think that's for Baylor. Like, gotta find a way to get their footing back underneath them. So, I mean, same for Texas. Though, but I think if you're Baylor, you gotta try to find a way to win that game. They're kind of feeling in a full free fall at the moment.
2: And then NC State, UNC. Any thoughts? I'm interested in that one.
1: I'm interested in that one. Um. I feel like NC State has struggled a little bit lately. Like, Can they, they could get it back together? Or is UNC going to keep riding this this high that they've been on? I don't know. I'm not going to predict anything because, like we said, the ACC is just a jumbled mess.
2: That starts the stretch for NC State. We'll really learn um, yeah. how good they are because they opened February. I had it. Let me go find it. I had it. I had it. They will play in February. North Carolina, Louisville, Virginia Tech. Pitt and then Notre Dame in a five game stretch. Yeah. Uh, so we'll find out if NC State can get back on track quickly or there's a scenario where it could potentially free fall. Um yeah. Megan, plug your stuff. You just updated bracketology.
1: Yep, just updated bracketology. I wrote it down so I'm committed to it now. We're weekly updates at least for the rest of the season. So it will be there weekly. I'm not gonna promise which day, but <laughs> weekly from now until the end of season and then we'll get more frequent when we get to, to conference tournaments and things are changing rapidly.
2: You updated it. Oh you're burning the midnight midnight oil. Eleven forty three on Wednesday.
1: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I forget that the timestamps hit.
2: <laughs> All right. Well Megan good stuff. Follow her at Megan Gower. Follow me at r underscore joys34. Lots of games this weekend. We'll talk about it all. Maybe we'll try to get a guest for next week. But for now, enjoy the hoops this weekend, folks.